This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey. Just about uh, 7, oh no, actually about 8.02 on a Saturday <laughs> morning. And we got to get the time right. What am I thinking here? We, we kind of changed studios again, so we're kind of all discombobulated again. But uh, anyways, uh, welcome to Smart Investing Show. Chase, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. Yeah, it is kind of different now. I mean, it's just, uh, it is strange. I mean, the other studio kind of had your things set up. You know where things were. I feel like, okay, now where are things? Where am I looking at? Am I going to mess up here? Well, I guess if we mess up, I told people I'm going to mess up, so I'm okay now, right? I don't know. I, I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I got my mic. I got, I got my laptop. See, it's, see that's one thing. That's as, good. As, and I know we sound alike. People say, gosh, you guys sound alike. We almost need to say, well, I'm Brent speaking. I'm Chase speaking. But, um, but you are younger. And, and I guess as you get older, you get more set in your ways. And you like things perfectly <laughs> the same way. And I was like, well, where's the mouse? Where's this at? But uh, anyways, well, good morning to everybody. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, crazy week this past week. Uh, we've got all different kinds of things to talk about. So let's start off with talking about, uh, well, it's, uh, as I said, 8 o'clock on, on uh, Saturday morning. Let's talk about alcohol. Want to talk about alcohol? <laughs> let's let's talk get about to it. <laughs> Who doesn't want a beverage already? <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about uh, what is your favorite hard seltzer? Well, Boston Beer Company, uh, known as Sam, uh, was down, uh, gosh, it was over 25%, lost 25% of market cap uh, yesterday. As the company said, they overestimated demand for Truly. Now, Truly, if you don't know, that is their hard seltzer. Uh, it is the number one and number two brand that really took that company to uh, higher limits uh, over time. But uh, management uh, says they're having problems because they, they said, well, now there's about 200 and 20 brands of hard seltzer out there. And that could be the reason why the miss is that competition is really knocking on their door hard. Actually, I think it busted through the door is what actually happened with them. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the numbers for Boston Beer Company, it, it was it was pretty atrocious. And I'll pull that up kind of after we finish the conversation here because they, they had a substantial miss on the earnings side. And 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 what we do know is there are a lot of new entrants, and, and I mean personally, my favorite Vizzy. I mean that, that that's a good one out there. You get the antioxidants, so yeah. you feel like you're being healthy. You oh, and know? don't forget the vitamin C, so or you feel like yeah, I'm C. doing something good here. Exactly. So yeah, so Vizzy's the one I think people should be drinking. <laughs> Brendan, do you drink Vizzy? No, no. Uh, I'm I'm more of a truly guy. Oh, uh, what? Jeez, I'm All truly right. disappointed go, go in back that to, one. <laughs> go back to where is it? Was he? Was he from Montana? Montana. Yeah, go NAU. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, I I was thinking too. Is I knew there was a lot of new entrants, and I mean, you walk around the grocery store and you see, wow, Michelob's got one, Corona's mm -hmm. got one, you see, Topo Chico's got one, but Light's got. one. I mean, there's so many in there. But I didn't know there's 220. <laughs> That's a lot of them. I mean, you think about it, too, is you go to Costco, Kirkland has their own one now. But they they had the nudes before was another time. I mean, there, there's so many different yeah. seltzers. It, it's it's just really blown up. And it is really just a, a great example 
of why we avoid growth companies. And you may not think a beer company is a growth company, but prior to yesterday's, I mean, catastrophic losses, it was trading at a forward PE of nearly 32 times next year's earnings. It's like, that is substantially higher. Again, we say the long-term average, 16.6 is the long-term average. It's trading at 32 times next year's earnings. Just extremely extremely overpriced because there was so much hype around, well, Truly's growing, the company's growing at these phenomenal growth rates. It's fantastic. And again, unpredicted levels of competition can destroy growth companies like you saw yesterday with Sam. Yep. And it, it can happen in other arenas. I mean, you, you talk about, and we've talked about, in fact, on this show before, like, like Apple or Microsoft or Amazon, there could be a company five years from now, let's say, oh, I'm just going to hold Amazon forever. There could be a company five years from now today that comes out with a competing product or a different type of service that completely displaces it. Oh, yeah. And there's no way that could ever happen. But what happens is people say, wow, that's a pretty good business. That's a profitable business like they did with the seltzers. Right. And what happened is, well, we want to get into that market. Yeah. I, I mean, if it's good, it's going to bring people in, which is competition. And actually, I don't have that. I, I, I was going to pull the numbers up myself, and I didn't do it, but... Um, uh, let me just do it real quick here. Was, was that uh, the stock hit a high about thirteen hundred? Yeah, there, there it is. One thousand three hundred forty-nine uh, closed on Friday at seven oh one, and I'm wondering how many people bought it. You know, at those levels, how many people are now going to sell out? Uh, could it go lower? I mean, this is the thing you don't know with growth companies is that you get confused on what is the value of it because you have nothing to wrap your arms around, and and it could turn around, could turn around, and go back up to eight nine hundred, or it could go down to. Uh, uh, four or five hundred, and and uh, do want to promote that. Uh, we also do a YouTube channel now. It, it is a smart investing channel. Is that is that where we 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 change the name to it, right? Yeah, you, smart you, investing. Smart and Chase Wilsey. Yeah. So so uh, go to YouTube. You can see more detail about that. But we got to do a follow up next week because new numbers will come in probably on Monday. Yeah. Uh, that will make a whole lot of difference uh, on what it was. And, and we were saying, I mean, it, it could fall further. As you said, it went from 1349 to 701 Our target sell price, I want to say, on it was 494 I think that's about right. It, yeah. And that was based off of earnings prior to the earnings report. Those are probably mm-hmm. going to be pushed even lower because of the huge miss. And I'm talking about this miss because the earnings came in at $4.75. Last year, same time period, $4.88. They should have done better as more restaurants were opening up. In my opinion, I would have thought a beer company would have done better. Oh, yeah. Because, again, now now more places are serving it. So, and, and actually, I think the estimate was six oh seven, if I remember. And again, hey, six sixty nine, six sixty nine, which yeah, is even, even worse. worse. That's, that's a yeah. huge miss. Yeah. So this is why you got to be careful with growth companies because when they get hit, they get hit hard. And then you don't know what to do. Well, gosh, do I buy more because it's going to come back? I mean, maybe there's people that you know paid twelve hundred for it and it fell down below a thousand. Oh wow, this is it's on sale now. I'll buy more of it. <laughs> and and now you're down even more because you don't have anything to put your arms around. That's why I like the value investing. It's all based on earnings, sales, cash flow, and book value. So you have something to wrap your arms around. And kind of to that point is you have people that were growth investors in the stock. And, oh, this company's great because it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. Mm-hmm. Value investors aren't part of that. No. Well, now all of a sudden you lose the growth side of it. Stock falls. No growth investors want it anymore. Value investors say, well, it still <laughs> trades at 20 times. And this, I haven't done the calculation, but just saying it still trades at 20 times future earnings. That's not a value company. So now you don't really have anybody in terms of the two deferring philosophies that say, wow, this is an interesting business I want to buy. 
And again, the growth investors didn't think they were going to have this drastic of a miss. And this is why we like value investing. Yeah. Because even if our companies, let, let's say we had a company like this that missed on earnings terribly, that stock will go down. I, right. I know that it would go down, but it would still be a good value at that point. We're not relying on the growth that you can't necessarily predict. Nobody thought that this was going to happen. <laughs> and again, you can't predict that there was two years ago, you, you would have never thought there'd be 220 different types of heart seltzers. Oh, I know. I, and, and I still can't believe the number's that high, but that's what they, they say. And um, I, I thought it was, and again, you go to the grocery store, you're right, though. I mean, it, it's like the beer aisle. There's so many things to choose from, and now you got so many on the uh, seltzer aisle. So. Uh, but again, that's why with with growth, you got to understand what you're doing because there's a time to leave. And we'll see what happens with a called the Boston Beer Company, a symbol of Sam, because they started out with Sam Adams Beer, yeah. gosh, years ago. And it's this tiny little beer company. I believe it was only in Boston. Now, truly, really put them on the map. But um, uh, again, check out the YouTube channel, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase. We'll see. Well, Chase. Uh, School. Talking about back to school and uh, <laughs> after a year of homeschooling, many parents, I'm not going to say they're excited, they're ecstatic about, <laughs> about kids going back to school and want to spend uh, this back to school season. It is estimated that back to school shopping will come in at a record. Make sure there's not a print uh, typo here. $108 billion. That's a yeah, lot of money on back to school. Now, for school-age kids, it's estimated that spending will be at an all-time high of $37.1 billion. Compare that to uh, last year at $33.9 billion. A lot of money being spent on here. I wonder where we should go for investment-wise. Yeah, no, and it is a good point. But uh, also looking at kids in college, that, that's actually where most of the money goes. Is it estimated that spending will reach a record of $71 billion, which would be above last year's $67.7 billion amount. But the thing we look at here is with all the money that was spent on technology last year, I, I'm kind of somewhat surprised here to see these record levels. I mean, last year... Those are more high ticket items. Oh, I got to get my daughter and son laptops so they can work from home, not work from home, <laughs> so they can do school from home. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of that I thought would have been kind of front loaded because, you know, this year, kids going back to school, who doesn't have a laptop? How would you right. have done school last yeah. year if you didn't have a laptop? Yeah. But the other thing to look at is, well, the wardrobe was not much of a concern last year. I'm sure you had many kids just in their PJs just doing yeah, school. Doing school. But yeah. now, ah, well, after a year of not seeing friends, I'm sure a lot of these kids want to dress to impress as they kind of get back to seeing people. And again, that, getting that social interaction, which is, I think, one of the most valuable parts of elementary and middle school. Oh, and it, and high school, even, for that yeah, matter. Yeah, for, yeah it's, it's really important. And actually, college as well, because, again, you, you need to, when you get into business, and people say, well, yeah, but you're working from home now. But eventually, you need to get back in the office and work with people. Uh, you can't be working by yourself on a computer. Some jobs, yes. But overall, no. I mean, you, you need to work with other people, and, and there's so many jobs that uh, you have to work with people. And if you don't get that in school, whether it's elementary, junior high, high school, college, um, you're going to be lacking an important skill of how to work with people and how to socialize. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point earlier, too, about where do you kind of look to invest? Because we know, again, this is part of the reopening. Mm -hmm. Is there, there's The economy is going to be changing. It changed last year as we stayed home for a lot of the year, but now we're reopening. And, and what are going to be the winners here? And unfortunately, I think a lot of the 
reopening plays are overpriced, but there's still some areas. I mean, there's some clothing companies, I think, that, that you can look at that, that could be good opportunities. This is kind of a stretch, but uh, <laughs> energy, we, we still think, is a good spot. And I say yep. energy because you got to drive the kids to school, you know? That's right. <laughs> That's, it's going to be, school. I mean, we talk about just, geez, all the people on the roads oh, all the yeah. time now. So um, I, I think those are kind of two areas to, to maybe look at. Uh, to kind of continue on this reopening trade. Yeah, it's so frustrating. I used to be able to drive 75 all the time on the freeways. Now, like, oh, gosh, can't drive 75 because there's so many people on the road. So energy is, is an important one. Not really related back to school. You made a big stretch there <laughs> saying drive the kids back to school. But, I mean, what we could do, Chase, is we could just buy technology companies because they go up every single day anyway. So why do we have to do all this research? What a waste of time that is. Just buy technology companies. going to go up. You know, I mean, you, you know, I, I think one day uh, Amazon will probably be $100,000. Know, <laughs> yes, so let's yes, just buy Amazon today at, what is it, $3,500 or whatever. So. Full disclosure, this is uh, sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what? Somebody new turn the show like, oh, okay, I'm going to go buy Amazon. So you got to be careful with that. So, um, oh, by the way, you want to join the show, you got that question on stock that you want to buy, sell, or hold, or just an investment question, give us a shot, uh, call 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. That will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And before we go to the calls, uh, let's talk about the National Bureau of Economic Research has now come out and said that last year's recession lasted, I hope you're sitting down, from February 2020 to April 2020. Gosh, how can we make it through that long of a recession? It was terrible. Uh, this would equate to just two months, which is substantially lower than the next closest record of six months. And that's the lowest record that occurred back in 1980 uh, due to the COVID-induced recession that saw about 22 million people lose their jobs and a sharp, very sharp, 31.4% decline for Q2 GDP annualized GDP for 2020 came in a contraction of 3.5%. You know, as we have continued to climb from last year's lows, 2021 is expected to see GDP growth of 6.9%, which would be the largest increase since 1984. And, and <laughs> I would say, don't think that that's just because, oh, we're doing all these crazy things that we're just booming. Right. It's again, I mean, you contracted so much last year, you just got to turn the lights back on. And you'll grow pretty substantially. So that's why I think we're, we're seeing these record levels. So it is, it is kind of a one-off type situation is the way I put it. But my concern here is that the economy and stock market have really both recovered so quickly from the lows that my expectations for growth over the next decade is quite low. I mean, I do not foresee a similar situation to what occurred after the Great Recession in 2008-2009, where we had this, gosh, long, slow runway, I'm going to say. I mean, yeah. we, we lasted for years. I, I do think a recession and a pullback, a, a, I'm going to say a bear market, it, it could really just be a few years down the road this time around. Because we snapped back so quickly, right? And a bear market, and a bear market can happen without a recession. Yes, and that's the thing. And 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 one thing that I've I've been saying to people is things are changing. And actually, back in two thousand eight, it was realized that well, wait a minute, if we have a recession, uh, we can put money into the economy, and that avoids a recession or wipes it out much quicker. So they they moved at that point in time rather quickly because back in 1929 there was no government that was going to put money in the economy so that's why it took so long and then as we've gone on here it's been realized that well what's a recession it's a lack of money in the economy because people aren't working so they're not spending 
well, if you give people money from the government, uh, we saw this in 2008, they're going to start spending again, which cuts the time of the recession. Well, this time, I mean, it acted very, very quick. I mean, President Trump at the time, I mean, he moved extremely quickly, got the money back from the economy, started turning things around. The problem with that, and I said this back in 2008, and you kind of brought it up, that what it does, you borrow from the future. Because you used to have, like, oh, you, you know, GDP down, uh, you know, we'll say four or five, six, maybe 10% for a year or two, and then you had this big boom. Well, we're not having the big booms because of the fact that we borrowed that already, so there's nothing there to go for. So we will have, I think, a good GDP this year because of such the, the, the downside. Yeah. But in 2022, 2023, we're not going to have that because the government cannot keep putting money in the economy and people need to get back to work and get back to normal wages, I'll call it. Yeah, and I just kind of looked at here talking about how long recessions used to last. I mean, the average recession is about 11 months. Yeah, I was so, say about a year. Yeah, 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 so it's about two months. And you're right, being able to inject that type of liquidity into the economy has kind of saved us there in terms of the, the speed of the recovery. But the other thing that, that does concern me somewhat is it's somewhat of a experiment. I, I'm going to say it, yeah. we haven't seen anything like this in the past where we've injected this much money this quickly. And I, I, I again think that the next recession, the next bear market that we see, and again, those two don't have to be correlated, but I do believe we'll have each of those within the next few years, just because we, we injected so much money. And that's why I think this year we're fine. I think 2022 we're fine as well, because there is so much money in the economy that I, I don't think it'd be possible to have a recession again yeah. that quickly. But but I, I'm saying within probably the next five years, we could have one. Because as you said, you can't just keep injecting it. And people now have become so reliant on it. I mean, I just keep seeing the, the forbearance on, on the mortgages and, right. you know, the forgiveness of rent and, and you know, the unemployment benefits is what's going to happen in three years when it's like, okay, we're, we're officially out of COVID. Oh, I lost my job. The government's going to, no, that, that's not going to happen. And I, I do worry that you've kind of set this precedent and this is kind of off topic, but it's kind of similar. Right. As I was talking to a, a business owner yesterday about kind of urine bonuses. And he was saying, you know, I, I sometimes I'll, I'll stick like a scratcher in a, a paycheck for my employees. For the urine bonus? More like just, right. just a, like throughout the year. It's like, oh, they, oh, they did a really good good thing. Right. Or, you know, a lot of employers do urine bonuses. And I don't get thank yous many times for it. And then the next paycheck, I didn't put the scratcher in there. And they're like, where's my scratcher? <laughs> And it's the same concept yeah. where people, you, you get used to something, and all of a sudden... The bonus is not the bonus. The bonus is normalcy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm talking about that because it's very applicable now to the unemployment benefits, to the stimulus. What What do you mean I don't get $1,200 for doing nothing? <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's why I do worry that we've set this dangerous precedent that in a few years, oh, it's okay. Like, I mean... I, I want to work from home. I, I'll look for a job because, you know, the government will kind of subside me right. while while I sit here. I, I just don't foresee that lasting. And I think people have this dangerous mindset going forward, which I think that could be, I'm not going to say the downfall, but but that could lead to a major slowdown in productivity, Yeah, which I think could be the next catalyst for the recession. And, and actually, there's two ways because we do have a lot of debt. Two ways to get out of the debt situation. One, you pay down the debt which has always been very difficult, or number two, you grow the economy. It's kind of like if you have a large debt personally, 
Uh, you can go and get another job. You can increase your income, and therefore that debt is not a problem, or you can pay it down. But the problem that we're kind of face here is that if we are borrowing from the future, we can't grow the economy with that much. That debt becomes more of the economy, and it could cause a problem the next time we do have uh, a recession. So it, we've got to do one or two things here, pay down that debt. And, and again, we do believe rates are going to rise, which is going to cause even more problems because that debt will grow more because it's compounding at a higher rate, unfortunately. So we've got to work on growing the economy. Um, and, 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 and one thing that's going to help is inflation. Inflation does hurt not hurt. It actually helps when you have high debt because it will also grow the economy as well. So it does not appear to be as much. So a lot of things we can do here, but uh, you still got to be careful because if we do have another, we can't go out and borrow, you know, in two, three years, another, well, let's do another, let's just send out $6 trillion <laughs> to everybody again and we'll be happy. Yeah. Eventually you're going to have problems. And I do want to be clear just because we're, we're talking about some doom and gloom type situation. It doesn't yeah. mean sell everything, but I do no. think, again, you, you got to be careful. You got to be mindful of things and just be cognizant. As, as we talked about earlier with Sam Adams, don't overpay for companies because those are going to be the ones that get hit the hardest during yeah. downturns. And that's why we stick to the value investing is we go down when we have recessions. Don't, oh, yeah. don't get us wrong yeah. or, or bear markets, but we know our companies will come back because they trade at good values. Growth companies, they could take decades. Yeah to get back to where they were. Yep. So yep. just be cognizant of that. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I'm still getting my adjusting the screen. I just like, oh, I'll do this, and it'll work out pretty well, so I'm still getting used to this. Let's go to the phones here. Let's go up to Marietta and speak with Scott. Scott, you're on the Smart Vegetable with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Hey, I had a question about uh, applied materials. Uh, you guys recommended about a year and a half ago. Did pretty well on it, so I want to get your opinion on it uh, right now. Okay. Uh, okay, just go ahead and sell. All right. Next <laughs> <time>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the numbers for applied materials symbols. A M A T. Let's see. We got a well. We got a PE ratio of twenty eight point nine versus thirty five point nine. So that's still pretty good. Uh, price to sales six point four versus six point six. Price to book value, 15 versus 23. And price to cash flow, the only valuation ratio that's more expensive at 26.3 versus 20. Now, you do get a very small dividend here of 0.7%. They use 18.5% of their earnings to pay that out. But they're doing very well, no surprise, on the sales growth. Year over year, up 28.5. Industry up only 14.9. And earnings per share for applied materials up 52.8 well above the industry at 10.4. So congratulations to them on that, doing so far better than the industry. Yeah. The balance sheet still looking very strong here. Current ratio 3.1 versus 2.3. Debt to equity 45.4 versus 61.5. Return on equity, wow, 42.2 versus 20.7. Net profit margin for applied materials 22.4 versus 18.2. And then we see receivable turnover 6.3 versus 9. Inventory turnover, 2.8. That's the only negative I think I've seen versus the industry at 4.8. Chase, I'm excited to hear about the earnings going forward here. Yeah, and I I'm, I was excited about this company because we, we do know they are in the semiconductor space, which has just been an interesting space to be involved yeah. with because we know the, the chip shortages and you know the impact that's having on cars, and, and we need chips because, as we keep talking about, is the future of our society even is going to rely more on chips as they're integrated into— Refrigerators, 
toasters, even. Wash <laughs> machines, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, shoes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but looking at the current price here for applied materials, it is one hundred thirty-eight dollars forty-three cents. Fifty-two week high is one hundred forty-six dollars. And that 52-week low is $54.15, so it's done very, very well off the low last year. If I go out to October 2022, I see estimated earnings per share is $7.35. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $122.01. So it is expensive now here, Scott, and it's done well. Um, I don't know if you, you bought it and got the long-term gain type treatment. Uh, on yeah. It. I bought when you guys recommended about a year and a half ago, and then I just actually sold a few days ago. Well, you're uh, concerned of... about the concerned about the valuations. So now, Scott, I got to ask you. You said you sold a couple of days ago. What if you would have called today and we said, "Oh no, this is a great <laughs> buy. You should be buying it." Oops, you sold too early. <laughs> well, you know, I, I might have just jumped back into the market again. I might, I might have bought some more, but I'm hoping it was going to. The thing about the stock is, it just seems to be very flat right now, and, and uh, it. it, it when it does gain, it gives it away pretty quickly. So I just thought, you know, uh, I'd get out of it and uh, wait it out and see what happens with it. And, and call you guys and get some good advice. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we think, too. I mean, it, it, you made a great profit on it. It's now time to sell this one. And actually, we were looking at a company. We won't tell what it is yet because uh, we may buy it or we may not buy it. Um, but it actually supplies materials to applied materials. So yeah. it's who they go to. And we know that there's a chip shortage. So we've been looking for other companies that could have uh, still benefit that are real still. Really, I think the company trades at what eleven times earnings. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which is unusual, especially for a company in the chip industry. But uh, yeah, great move on applied materials. So yeah, it, it is a sell. And uh, Scott, uh, congratulations. Okay, thanks guys. Love your show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye. All right, that does open up the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Anthony. Anthony, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, Long-time listener. I haven't been able to call in in a while. Uh, really appreciate the show. And I just wanted to um, kind of add to the discussion on you know technology. We know it went gangbusters over the last uh, year and a half. But I, I would point out that the big ones like Apple, Microsoft, Google, in terms of technology and schools, those continue to be, you know, really at the forefront of, of major purchases by school districts all around the country. So when we talk about the return to school, uh, think of school districts had to buy, had to supply probably the 30 percent or so. I, I'm generalizing um, for the, the kids that didn't have technology at home. Uh, so they, in a sense, subsidize those technology purchases for kids. But meanwhile, every year uh, there's a sh short shelf life on technology products in the schools because they get so much use. And then kids drop them, break them, lose them. Uh, so there's constant turnover in technology. So I just kind of point that out in terms of, you know, yes, they're incredibly expensive companies to hold uh, or, excuse me, purchase in, in today's market. But for longtime investors like like my my club, you know, every time we shave shave off a little a little bit of either one of those, especially Apple and Google, you know, they just continue to rise. So um, so we've been you know holding and and continue to to do so, and it's treated us really well over the last uh, you know over this downturn. Um, what I would ask of you guys is kind of what how do you blend the philosophies of, of obviously you know value companies. But can you find growth at good value in, in today's market? And 
Um, I, I've, you know, been fascinated with, you know, your, your studies in terms of, you know, stressing, you know, forward PE. But, uh, yeah, how do you find that outside of those major companies that continue to win in the market, how do you find um, growth at good value in, in today's market? And, and that's a, a question that people ask, like, well, and we've seen this with managers, unfortunately, is that they kind of give up their value discipline because, well, right, what's hot now is growth. So they want to hold those apples. They want to hold those Googles and so forth so they can be part of the in crowd, so to speak. Well, I think that's wrong because of the fact that you're giving up your discipline and there will be a time. And, and when people come in our office, we show people there is a time that the worst three-year return for, and I think we do this in the workshop as well, yeah. uh, the worst three-year return, three -year return uh, for, for um, uh, value is a drop of about 24%. For growth, it's a drop of 55%. And that's where all of a sudden, oh my gosh, why did I do that? So when you look at over the longer term, you've got to stay with the discipline because if you start shifting back or kind of do uh, like a slow bleed into one or you don't want to sell Apple because it's a high price, but oh, it's Apple and so forth, you're going to hurt yourself longer term. Um, that's why value. And it's very hard because we sold our Apple Two years ago, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and we had a huge profit. Our profit would be higher now yeah. had we kept it. But the thing is, we also sold Apple. And this is what people don't forget. We sold Apple, but there's other things that we bought. And our performance uh, is not like, oh, my gosh, we're doing terrible because of this. We still do well. But value investing, again, you can put your arms around it. We can do it. We, I, don't, I don't think we caught the, the beginning of the show there, Anthony, but we talked about Sam Adams, the, the beer yeah. company. I mean, that yeah. is going to happen. I and I hate to say this, it is going to happen to Apple. It's going to happen to Microsoft. There's going to be something that comes along, and just go through history. There was there was one time where we held Apple. I remember it went from, gosh, I think it was down thirty percent at one point in time. Yeah. And there will be a time. I know this sounds crazy. Apple's not going to be the king of the hill for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Uh, at one time, it was Nokia, and then Motorola. Now Apple's been at the top of the hill for the longest time, but there's going to be something out there. That's going to change it, and it may not. It's not going to be tomorrow, but but that's the thing. Eventually, what you do, it doesn't work. And then also, too, we've talked in the past. Also, there was a time on Microsoft, it and the stock. It was what six, seven years before you made any profit. In the meantime, they were making profits, but they were playing catch up to what their values were. And kind of to also answer your other question there, Anthony, about how do we find growth and value at this time? I mean. We don't look for companies that are growing sales and earnings at excess of 20%. I mean, then you're not going to find value in companies that have that type of growth. It's just not going to be a possibility. But, I mean, we're looking for companies, and there's times, like we have a company in the portfolio right now, that they say, well, we're, we're striving to grow our earnings at about 5% per year. But the multiple we're paying for that stock is around, I'm going to say, 10 times earnings. Well, if we can get some multiple expansion and we get that 5% earnings growth plus a nice dividend on that stock, now that's how we can get to that 8 to 10% return per year. We're not getting 20% growth on the right. sales, and it's not sexy, it's not exciting, but you get something that is, is growing at a, a, a nice rate. And, you know, people, oh, that's so slow, it's not exciting. I'm good with that. If I get a nice dividend, you yeah. get substantial growth, safe growth. I mean, you can get that in food companies as well, but you got to find the right food companies. Some of them are way over. Are, are you looking at a? And I'm sorry. In, in terms of dividends, are you looking like at a minimum pay, like a I don't know, four percent yield or a two percent or like a minimum, 
in your screening, are you putting um, that kind of filter? Or I, again, I'm assuming you guys use filters, or, or but however it is yeah. that you identify your criteria, do you set like a minimum of what it should return in, in dividends? I mean, we like to see like a dividend of probably 2% or higher, but it's not like we set a minimum on the uh-huh. dividend has to be that. I mean, we have companies that probably pay a little bit less than that, but it's just helpful when you see that dividend and also to the dividend growth rate. What has the company done? Has it grown their dividends over time? And also, too, we were looking at a company uh, yesterday, I think it was. you got to be careful of some companies do special dividends. And and somebody's saying, oh, yeah, their dividend's so high. We looked at it. Yeah, those were, what, two or three special dividends that may not be their next year. So you, you've got to look at the whole thing. And that's why, you, you know, many times at the workshop, didn't happen this last workshop, people say, that's just too much to do. Just give me the five things I can do to be <laughs> successful. And there's not five things. you got to look at everything because one little thing could yeah. throw it out. So it, that's why investing is so well, exciting. Well, it sounds like uh, – and, and I, I definitely need to make it to one of your workshops because I, I just love to learn all of this stuff and a, a little bit wonky in, in, in that. But it sounds like you definitely are in that Warren Buffett uh, mold in terms of that philosophy of, of value and in investing. And, and his mentor, um, Graham, I believe it was, uh, right. just sounds like you you have uh, that seems to have shaped uh, some, of, some of your, your philosophies. And obviously, no one's been more successful than Buffett. Buffett. So um, it is. It is an interesting um, perspective. I just, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a club that also values growth, <laughs> so we have kind of that mix. Uh, what you do when you have a mix of people, right? You, you have kind of the different uh, um, biases a- among us. But it's been fun, and um, like I said, I love listening to your show. I'll, uh, keep, keep. Uh, I'm sure you got other callers, but I just wanted to thank you guys for, uh, you know, this this kind of great discussion. Yeah, well, well, Anthony, thanks for calling again. We do come out and actually speak to investment clubs as well. So if you have a, a large enough club, we'll come out and speak to them uh, in person, or you can come to the next workshop. But uh, we'd love to talk to you guys. You Great. kind of know where we're coming from, so let us know. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Are right, you too. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right, that opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three. It looks like uh, Chase had a comment, but uh, did it kind of? Oh, I was just gonna tell Anthony. You know, we talked a lot about the dividends there, but that was. I want to be clear. We don't screen for dividends. We, right. You talked about a two percent minimum. I was just using that company because that was one that came to my off the top of my head. But we were talking about technology companies are in the show that those companies don't pay dividends. There's two semiconductor ones that we're looking at at this time that don't pay dividends, but the values are there. And the expected growth is there. So, again, if you get, I talked about a 5% growth on earnings. If you can get like an 8% earnings growth, and even if they yeah. maintain that multiple for the foreseeable future, hey, that's an 8% gain per year. Yeah. You know, that, that's how you kind of have to break down the numbers. And we always look at total return while about 90% of the companies we do invest in pay dividends. It's not a necessity for us right. if we can find a good company that's got good growth, and trades at good values. And, and also, too, just looking at the type of companies that we do, value companies, they generally do pay a dividend. Um, and I'm just kind of looking at the different companies. They, they generally do pay. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think we have one or two in the portfolio maybe paying a 1.2, 1.3. I'm kind of guessing right now. But it's not that you're right. We want to point out we don't search for the dividends. It's kind of a byproduct that a value company will pay a dividend because yeah. usually they're more mature companies that have excess cash and say, well, let's give this to the shareholders in the form of either buying back stocks and other thing we didn't talk about 
or paying dividends. So, alrighty, phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Jose. Jose, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Oh, hello? You're, you're, you're on air. Can you're you on hear air. Me? We can hear you great, yes. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, this is Jose from San Diego. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you guys, you know, I love listening to your show, and you guys are so informative. I think it's, you guys are doing a great service for everybody. First, thank you. you know, thank you, guys. And um, my question is regarding Boeing. What did you guys just take on Boeing, you know, now that kind of things are getting back and people are starting to travel more and stuff? What do you guys think Boeing is headed in? Do you guys still think it's a great stock to buy? Yeah, let's look at Boeing. Boeing is such a interesting situation because we go back in history, what they've gone through and the amount of debt they've taken on. Uh, we'll start off with the numbers and then we'll kind of talk more about it because it is a very interesting story that's very confusing for people. So let, let's talk about Boeing. Symbol is BA. Unfortunately, no surprise here, though, because of the pandemic, no P.E. ratio versus 999 for the industry. Price to sales, a 2.3 versus 2 for the industry. No price to book value. No book value at all. So that means you take away the, the assets, you take away the liabilities. There's no equity, no value to the company. I think I'll look at the balance sheet when Chase is looking at the numbers to see how that balance sheet looks. And then also, too, no price to cash flow, which means their cash flow is also uh, negative as well. Now, looking at their sales growth uh, year over year, we see it's down 27.7%, and that is worse than the industry down 2.1%. And Boeing's earnings, they fell by 239, worse than the industry down 96. Now, the current ratio looks good at 1.3 versus 1.4, but as I said, debt to equity, nothing there. So there's no equity, so therefore their debt is just out there flying free, we'll call it. Uh, we also see no return on equity because they don't have any equity. Net profit margin, a negative 20.8 versus 0.2. And let me tell you what that means. It means for every dollar they bring in right now, they're losing 21 cents on the dollar. You don't can't run a business very long like that. We do see receivable turnover is 4.8 versus 4.4. And then inventory turnover. You got to remember they are in the building planes. So their inventory is not going to turn over very much, but it's 0.75 versus 2.3. Chase, what do the earnings look like going forward for Boeing? Yeah, so current price here for Boeing is $221.52. 52-week high, $278.57. And that 52-week low, well, it's $141.58. And I, I did pull up the longer-term graph of Boeing, and I was like, gosh, I swear they were near $400 a share. And they were in 2019. Yep. It looked like on the chart about 380 385 is about their, their all-time high. So, I mean, they're still well off those highs, but we know that they were— really decimated by the 737 max issue and yeah. then also covid really hurt them and we talk about their terrible profit margins i don't see that as being sustainable but my problem is that the values on it i don't see them climbing their earnings at a rapid enough rate to justify these prices and i say that because if i go out to december 2022 i see estimated earnings per share of five dollars and thirty cents that would give us a target sell price of $87.98. So, I mean, they would need to grow their earnings very, very quickly to justify the, the current level of the stock, I'd say. I mean, you need earnings of about $13.31, and I don't see them getting there for for years. And, and, and Jose, there's two problems that I see with Boeing. Uh, first problem is their own situation. Uh, their debt in one year went from $38 billion all the way up to $63 billion. So not quite a double, but, but a huge increase in their debt. 
their customers or the airlines, they also have gone through a difficult time frame. So they too have weakened their balance sheet. So, I mean, I, I, I wonder how can these airlines, I know, I think Southwest is still, but even Southwest took on a lot of debt as well. Yeah. How, how much of, of the situation can these airlines saying, yes, we're going to spend, you know, $10 billion to buy more 737s when their creditors might be saying, no, you're not going to do that. You need to pay us back first. And then also to the competition in airlines right now. And this is one problem with airlines are very competitive. They will reduce their fares and not make money. Um, I'm, I'm worried about the whole industry. And, and, and I just don't see Boeing. I mean, what was the target sale price you said, Jason? What it was like 90, 90 or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't see Boeing growing. I think the potential, and people think it could be, but when you look at the business side of it, Jose, gosh, it really worries me, that whole industry. Yeah, and I, I kind of mm. moved on to, to throw me in with the target sell price always and <laughs> always forget it <laughs> because I, I move on, and I was just looking at the balance sheet here, and I, did you already give away the debt increase? Uh, yes, yeah, I said so. I, I also want to look at the. I will say, I was kind of surprised by this. Boeing looks like they just decided to take on a ton of debt. A lot of other companies, like you look at the airlines, the cruise lines, they also issued a ton of stock. And I'll say Boeing, I mean, they, they did that as well, but not to the same magnitude. And I say that because at the end of 2019, looks like they had about 563 million shares outstanding. And now at the end of 2020, it's about 582 million. So an increase, which the reason that's not good is because now you're sharing the earnings with more people out there, which reduces the earnings per share. But uh, pleasantly surprised that Boeing didn't increase it that much. But that debt intake, I, I do worry about that. That is for yeah. sure. And, and Boeing can go up. Their price can go up and so forth. But it worries me. We don't have the numbers there to back it up. And then the whole industry, again, everybody's borrowing. Everybody's you know uh, issuing new stock and doing all these things to keep afloat now. But yet, airlines have always been tough because it's so competitive. I mean, it really worries me down the road three, four years. And I, I, I want to see Boeing do well. It's a great American company. But gosh, I just don't think they're worth anywhere near their price right now. And I think they could be in for some very strong storms coming ahead in the next uh, two, three years. So I'd be very careful. Uh, and we would not touch Boeing. All right, Jose? Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye. 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 All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, it's always hard when you kind of look at a company, as I said, I, I want to see Boeing do well, but you got to be real on things. And it's just like, gosh, I, I hate giving those numbers and saying that, but the, you know, again, debt is not good for companies with, you know, such a, comp well, we've got, what, 220 uh uh, Seltzers, you know, how many airlines, we've seen new airlines come out. I, I've seen some new airlines come out with like lower cost fares. Well, how can American, how can Delta, how can these big guys keep compete with those? They've got to lower their prices. They lower their prices. There goes the profits. And I forgot to mention what else is going on. Rising energy prices. So the jet fuel is, is going up. So they're really in a tough, tough time. Well, you're talking about airlines. I will say the one thing that we always root for Boeing in terms of business production is there's only two of them. Yeah. It's Airbus and Boeing. So that that's one reason I think a lot of people make excuses for buying Boeing is, oh, there's not that many competitors out there, which is true. But still, there, it comes down to the valuations and, and the, the fundamentals and the balance sheet. And I, I do, again, just worry about that business moving forward. And you're right with the airline competition. 
But, you know, I, I want to see Bowen continue to do well because I don't want to send money over to France and Airbus. I want to make sure right. Bowen's doing well here. <laughs> yeah, and the thing, too, that once you take on that much debt, you're not really running the company. The creditors can kind of start running the company. Like, well, no, you're not going to do that because you owe us money. And and there's a lot of money that they owe right now. So it, it worries me seeing a company owing that much money. So, already, uh, time to talk about uh, financial planning. For that, we turn to our financial planner from Will CSA Management, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Calling you from Porterville, California, in Central California today. Gosh, you, you never stay in San Diego for the weekend. You're always flying out here, driving there. Gosh, you always got something going on around the country. Uh, again, I think you'll be a travel guy, not a financial planner any longer. So, <laughs> but, but uh, today you guys a, a great topic that I think is uh, well, actually, it's something I'm crossing into is a uh, Medicare income-related monthly adjustment amount. What does that mean? Uh, explain that to us. Who, who does it affect? Yep. So I wanted to talk about this because you're right. You and I are talking about this for your own situation right now. But the income-related monthly adjustment amount, also called IRMA, um, has to do with the amount of premiums you have to pay for Medicare. So when you turn 65, that's when you you become eligible for Medicare. The first thing you have to do is sign up for your original Medicare, which is your A and B. And from there, you can determine if you want to go with an Advantage plan, that's also called Part C, or you can go with a Medi-GAP plan, also called a Medicare Supplement plan, and then pick up Part D coverage. So whichever direction you go, you're going to have to pay a Part B as in boy premium and also a Part D as in Dave prescription drug premium. And the coverage itself doesn't determine what that premium is. It's your income that determines what that premium is. So the higher your adjusted gross income, the more you have to pay for those Part B and Part D premiums. So for a married couple, the first tier starts at an AGI in 2019 of 176000 So if, you're, if your AGI is under that, you pay the lowest premium. Right now for Part B, it's $148.50 a month, and then your, your D drug coverage starts at your plan, and then there is um, additional money you have to pay on top of that as you go up. So in all, there are six tiers uh, the first, or I guess the second tier is 40% more than your, um, is a 40% increase. And then it goes to a hundred percent increase and then 160% increase then two twenty, and then 240% increase. So it can get relatively expensive depending on what your income is. And so one thing that you have to point out is the income to premium. There's always a two year lag in between it. So what I mean by that is your 2019 income will determine what your 2021 premiums are. And the reason for that is at the beginning of 2021, the most recent tax return that you have filed is from 2019 because you haven't filed your 2020 yet. That doesn't happen until April of that year. So there's always a two-year lag. So sometimes what happens is people will have Medicare and then they'll get a letter in the mail from Medicare and they'll say, oh, it looks like I uh, have to pay more premiums because two years ago my income was too high. Well, I wasn't even paying attention two years ago. And at that point, there's not really that much you have to do about it. So you always have to be careful of your income in the current year to make sure that two years down the road, you're not going to get stuck paying higher premiums than you need to. And it just becomes so confusing. And again, I, I'm just curious as you're talking, you're, you're very knowledgeable. And I forget what the uh, award you have or the designation you have for Social Security. It's called Social Security. NSSA. Uh, yeah. Nas- yeah, National Social Security yeah. Advisor. So that deals specifically with Social Security. Medicare and Social Security is, is a completely different thing. People associate it as, as um, 
you know, similar because it's around the same age, but they're actually two completely different entities. But, but my, my whole point being is that the stuff that you know is just so important. I'm just wondering how many financial advisors, that's what I've always said. Uh, somebody's like, well, I'm a financial planner. I do financial plans and I do investing. I don't know how in the world somebody can do both because there's so much detail. Actually, on both. You're hearing the investment side from us and then a financial planning side from you. There's no way, in my opinion, that anybody can do both because you're going to miss something in the details you have. So just a, a very informative, the, the information that you have for people on the financial planning side. Uh, and Harrison, I always appreciate you, you know, calling in from no matter where you're from. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask before we let you go, Harrison, I know we talked before you were leaving. It, any traffic yesterday on the way up to Portville or was it pretty smooth sailing? Um, I mean, last year we could get up here really easily in about four hours. This time it took about four and a half hours because getting out of San Diego and then going through LA, there was some traffic. So it's definitely picking up from, uh, from when it was nothing in COVID. I would ask our travel expert what his yeah. uh, findings are as he journeys <laughs> around the country. <laughs> yeah, here's your traffic report. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Travel report, traffic report. Great. All right, Harrison. Well, well thank you very um, much. We'll see you on Monday. I did want to say sure. one more thing about this from a, a planning perspective. You know, a lot of people like to do Roth conversions. Um, also, they have capital gains. Well, that stuff increases your AGI. So um, those are sometimes areas where you have to pay more premiums on the Medicare side because you're, you're ex increasing your AGI. So that's just a temporary <laughs> thing. The good thing is if you do have a large income year, that only is going to affect one year of premiums as long as it goes down the following year. But something else that is important is once your RMDs start in your 70s, the distributions from your qualified retirement accounts, if those are large, those can cause your income to be permanently high, which means your um, Medicare premiums are always going to be high. So it, it really is important to understand how your income is going to change throughout time to make sure that not only are you paying not that much in taxes, but also you're not getting hit with these uh, additional premiums on the Medicare side. And, and Harrison, no way that I could manage money and know the details that you do. I'm so happy you're in our office and take care of our clients because there's details you brought up that uh, the Roth conversion. I don't think anybody thinks about, well, yeah, but what about raising this over here? Cause you did that. There's so many things that you have to look at. So again, thanks for being in the office and uh, thanks for being on part of the show and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks guys. We'll see you Monday. Okay. Bye-bye. Again, that's Harrison Johnson. He is our financial planner. Again, you hear the detail he goes in. He probably will think of things you never even thought of for the rest of your life. Uh, that's why we give a free consultation. I sit down with a true financial planner. Give him a call at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And by the way, he's on a salary. He is not on a commission schedule to where the more uh, insurance he sells you, the more he makes. He's on a salary. His job is to do a great job for you as a financial planner. All right. <clears throat> Our phone number is here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And doggone it, I was going to go to Robert and Fallbrook. I had uh, Abby pulled up and everything is gone. So uh, give us a call back if you want to talk more, Robert. Uh, I did want to see what uh, Jason uh, from Facebook had. An IPO question? What's he got there? Yeah, and uh, we missed it last week. So he, he was kind of oh. touching up on Krispy Kreme. Oh. So, but he was asking uh, kind of generally, IPOs, uh, not a good <clears throat> investment for the most part. Uh, we just think they're quite risky. And a lot of times when companies IPO is you don't get the IPO price. You get the first yeah. trade price, I'm going to say. And generally <laughs> it is terrible to buy at the first trade price because it normally always 
corrects itself. So uh, just kind of, and, and, and not a, good, a lot of good information, but he says his question is how many quarters does it take to have good information to fundamentally analyze one year to compare quarters, two years to compare year over year, or even longer? It says uh, D-Nut, D-N-U-T, Krispy Kreme would be an example that just IPO'd recently. It says pros, growth potential in Midwest, owned by a coffee company to compete with Dunkin' and Starbucks, possibly in the future. Cons, big stores don't make a profit. Billions in debt, I believe. IPO might have helped that. Competing with Dunkin' and Starbucks may be tough. Health craze won't go away. Thanks, guys. You, you, you know, and this is a, it's not a, a clear answer. Because in my opinion, for a donut company, obviously Krispy Kreme's making donuts, much easier to kind of look at those numbers than a technology company or a drug company, uh, a biotech company. I mean, it, it's so much harder to kind of look at those. So you, I think it would take much longer for a biotech company than a donut company. And also too, we know Krispy Kreme's was public before, was taken private, then out again. So I, I would say, I mean, right now, I mean, we could look at a company like Krispy Kreme that has been out for, we'll say, a year, I'm not sure when it came out, and make a decision on that. But I would not feel comfortable making a decision after a year of some other company being out that's a high-tech company or a biotech company uh, after a year. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. It's it, it's a tough, tough, tough game to play because... Yep. I mean, Krispy Kreme donuts are so good. You know? <laughs> I've not had one in, in a long time. Uh, you know, people say they're going to bring us donuts. We don't have any donuts, but yeah. uh, you, you know. So, but um, but he is right too with the health crazes. But but I still think that people enjoy to be bad with their diets. From you, you, you got to have enjoyment in life. It's not like you're you can't eat a Krispy Kreme donut every single day. Or I know Warren Buffett has like a Coke every day right. and uh, McMuffin from uh, McDonald's, but yep. you know, maybe you can have one Krispy Kreme donut every day. I still don't know if that's the epitome of health by any means. <laughs> but you know, you can still have them from time to time. And, and the reason we don't like it is I pulled it up on Reuters. I, I don't even get any information. It says we currently There's do. nothing on Krispy Kreme? Really? Nothing. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. I thought it has been public for a while. Maybe maybe not. Um, no, I, they just went public, gosh, a few weeks ago, I want to say. Okay. Oh. Um, let's see, six months. Months. It looks like they went public on July first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, July first. So that, uh, yeah, you you won't have anything yet. So you got to wait for the next quarter. So so I guess in a company like that, you want to wait for the quarter to see what they have for the quarter and get some information that way. Yeah, so. yeah. So it it is it is tough, as I said, but you might miss it. Krispy Kreme might go up and you might miss out on it. But we'd rather wait for that kind of, I'd say after years, generally, as you said, when we'll start looking at it, it's kind of that time frame. We almost did buy an airline several years ago, actually, and I'll give it away. Uh, Virgin. Yeah. Virgin Airlines. But they got bought out by Alaska, yeah. which, gosh, would have been great to buy it because oh, it we went up. Well. Yeah. We, 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 sometimes <laughs> but, you move slow, you miss things, but you, you got to be careful. But that, that was yeah. about a year after they went public. The numbers look good on it. You know, PE ratio is strong. Debt to equity was good. So I'd say normally about a year to answer the bottom line for Jason there. Yeah, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's a great question because, again, it gets so confusing and, and you, the, the emotions come in like, oh, this is going public and it might go public go way up and everything. But I still, again, would not buy it because I want that comfort. I want that that business I know is going to do well because how many IPOs are we saying go way up and then a year later, like, oh, they're cut in half. You yeah. Know? So you, you, good, good question on that. So, all right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Gosh, I looked up. It's like almost five till nine already. So we don't really have time to take a call. Um, you ju- you just called. Oh, I feel so bad. We told Robert to call back, and I think he called back, and then, <laughs> and then he, he hung up again. Uh, yeah. 
Well, yeah. I, I think we'll, what we'll do is we know he's there. We'll, we'll just cover Abby at the start of the next yeah, hour. Yeah, that's what we'll do when we come back from the break. We'll, we'll cover Abby. Uh, you, you know what? Since we don't have a call, I always feel bad. We take a call and they got to put them on hold and wait through the break. So, you know what? I got to pull it up. Let's do Abby Incorporated right now. We know that's what Robert wants to talk about. I'm kind of curious about it as well. So, coming again is Abby Incorporated, symbol ABBV. Uh, we do see a P ratio 41.7 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales 4.2 versus 11.4. That's good. Unfortunately, here, no price of tangible book value versus 13.2 for the industry. And price of cash flow checks in at 15.7 versus 411. So that's a good number there. Talk about dividends. They, they pay a 4.4% dividend, but they use 173%. They need to pay that dividend out. Their growth year over year is up 47.4% versus 24 for the industry. Earnings fell, and I'm not sure why this is, but I have to look at this. Our earnings fell by 48.5% year over year for the last 12 months. The industry was down only 3.78, so I'd be very curious how they grew their sales by 47%, but earnings declined by 48%. Looking at the balance sheet, well, this is kind of, well, this is very scary. Uh, current ratio, 0.8 versus 3.6. That's not anything great. But when you look at the debt to equity, 623 versus 40.7, that's very scary. And I remember the last company I looked at that had a 600 debt to equity years ago, just popped in my head, General Motors, before they went bankrupt. So uh, that's, that's one thing I want to understand why they got such a high debt to equity. We do see return on equity is 161 versus 18. Tells me maybe their equity is very small. Net profit margin, 10.3 versus a negative, 26.5. So that's a positive. And then you have a receivable turnover, 6.3 versus 4.9. Inventory turnover, 6.9 versus 2. And Chase, you got about one minute. Do you want to kind of babble yeah, here? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hit it. You hit uh, it? Current yeah. price for Abby, $118.19. 52-week high, $118.67. And the 52-week low is $79.11. And I do know that they've been doing like the testing kits and so forth. Or no, that's Abbott. Excuse me. I don't know. No. Yeah. Sorry, confusing the two names there. But December 2022, I go out to there. Estimated earnings per share is $13.95. Target sell price would then be $231.57. That looks very good, but that's on a non-GAAP basis. The problem I've had with Avi for years has been, number one, the balance sheet, and number yep. two, the GAAP and non-GAAP numbers. I mean, last year they made $10.56 on a non-GAAP basis, but on a GAAP basis, it was just $2.72. So they back out a lot of different expenses, it seems, and I don't know what those expenses are because I've never been intrigued enough to look at it because the debt to equity has always been so high. But uh, those are two major areas of cautions. Evaluations look strong, but uh, for those reasons, I, I, I'd say stay away. Yep, yep. And, and, and these are things you look at. And I know we got to go to uh, a, a break here. Uh, when we come back from the break, I'm going to give the, the balance sheet numbers from Abby because they're not very good. Uh, and as I expected, the equity is very low. So you want to call in the Smart Investing Show? we got all lines open now. Give us a call, 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And as always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. You're listening to Smart Best Show, Brent Chase. Stay with us. We'll be back.
All righty. Welcome back to the Smart Investing Show. Phone lines, yes, they are open. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Chase, we should probably get some advertisers so we have a little bit longer break at the top of the show. <laughs> you know. Lucky we can not have to go to the restroom for two hours. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. We haven't well, had that happen yet. <laughs> yeah, because I sit back like, oh, what, we're back already? Yeah, So, but it, it, it's just that we like sponsoring the show so that we have more time. But sometimes it'd be a little bit nicer to have, a instead of a two-minute break, maybe a four- or five-minute break. So maybe somebody wants to sponsor the show and be an advertiser on the show. Uh, give us a call. All right. Uh, yeah, I did want to go back to Abby because I did want to uh, finish up with their, their balance sheet. Uh, a year ago, their debt uh, their debt was a uh, sixty seven billion. It's now increased to eighty five and a half billion dollars. We don't like seeing that. I also didn't want to look at their equity. Now that was more positive. Their equity is now thirteen point seven billion, but it was a negative seven point four billion uh, one year ago. So getting better on that, but still, it's an awful lot of debt. And 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 uh, yeah, I was making sure that was a quarter. Yeah, that's quarter over year over year, not uh, years. So, but uh, yeah, not a good uh, financial position. So I would not be again. That's I think that's what keeps us from buying Abby is that, and and it's not that it's definitely going to happen. It's the concern that uh, it's like driving down the road. You got no brakes, but you don't need them until you need to stop. You're fine driving, but when you need those brakes, you want them there. Same thing. When you if you have a financial problem, you want a strong balance sheet. Not say, oh well, because then they'll go right into bankruptcy. Well, the problem that really be comes an issue is if the stock starts to fall you start to second guess it yeah. you're like i knew i shouldn't have bought it that debt was too high and you start to say why did i do that and you're right if it goes up it's not a problem but if it as i said if it goes down you deviated from your strategy and now you're saying why did i buy it yeah. and we had this happen in the office last week we, we really wanted this restaurant company and uh, that's equity was an issue. And, and we think they'll be fine because if you look at the cash flows, it's enough to cover it. But at the end of the day, we say it's not, it's not what we do. It's yep. not our strategy. And if you, again, deviate from that strategy and things start to go south, do you sell it? The, the target sell price might still be good, but the debt is such a big problem. You start to create all these questions in your mind that that's not what you want to do when it comes to investing. You want to take away right. the emotions. Right, right. And, and I think it was back in... 2000, maybe 2001, I did experiment with a growth company. Yeah. And I thought there's no way I can lose in this. And I won't forget it because it really irritated me that I did it. It was called NBCI. And it was a, a it was the NBC internet off of NBC that was public. And GE at the time owned that. So I thought there's no way that I can lose on this. Even though it didn't have the earnings and so forth, I thought this is a smart play. I remember buying around $10 a share. And after a year or so, it went down to two. And it's just like, doggone it. Why'd I do what I know I shouldn't have done? That's why I stick so much my discipline because you just don't know. And, and I had all the factors there. General Electric, huge company, tons of cash and so forth. NBC, well-known name, doing everything. Things still- The internet. <laughs> the internet, yes. And it had everything there. Like the, Even though they have earnings, this is, this is going to be great. And, and fortunately at the time, I didn't buy much of it, but I still did it. And it's- and I guess every once in a while, maybe you got to do that to, to kind of spank yourself to kind of realize, like, no, wake up. Don't do it again. Yeah. So, um, all righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, Chase, I do want to talk about the, the, the um, I, I call it a bittersweet deal with uh, OPEC. And I say bittersweet because over the next two years, 
they have committed to restoring all the cuts that they made prior to the pandemic and increase amount of oil on the world market. Well, that's a positive side. But the other side of it's not so positive, is it? Yeah, I mean, again, the bitter part is, once again, we will be sending our dollars to the Middle East to produce oil, and the Middle East will benefit from the profits. Here in the U.S., we have cut production, and we'll have to not only depend on the Middle East for oil once again, but we gain no benefit from producing our own oil. Uh, hopefully, somehow, this will change in the near future. Until then, I mean, be prepared to continue to pay higher prices at the gas pump. And the major problem is we could be, again, at the mercy of the Middle East. Like we had the oil embargo in the yeah. 70s. I said, ah, no, sorry. And it created huge problems. I mean, by having that independence, we didn't have that potential concern. I'm not saying we're going to have an oil embargo right. by any means. But the problem is they could raise prices and we can't really do anything about it because we're not really producing oil. Yeah. So it's, it's an issue. And that's why... They kind of are in the driver's seat, and they want higher oil prices. Oh yeah, yeah. They and again now, and it's not like they don't know they're in the driver's seat. They know that we cut our oil production. They they know that, and we approved a pipeline. It's like, oh yeah, in Russia, go ahead and do it. So then all these other people around the world do it, which means they control our energy. And and I have heard the yeah, other these car companies, oh, uh, twenty thirty five, we're going to not stop making all you know gas cars and be all electric. But that's still. 14 years away. And at that point in time, you're still going to have other cars that are on the road for a long time. Yeah. So um, it, it, I, I, it just worries me. Could we have an oil embargo? I, yeah, I, I think that could happen. Or there was one time too, I think it was a few years ago, some, some tanker got stuck in the middle and it stopped uh, the flow. Well, we were fine because we had enough oil here that we were producing here in the U.S. So it's just very disappointing. And unfortunately, the consumer pays uh, in the cost of higher prices. I always tell people, I mean, limiting supply, I mean, you, I know that this administration really wants to focus on green energy, but you can't complain about higher gas prices because that you can't limit supply and have increasing demand and have gas prices go down. That's just not going to yeah. happen. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. not a, a winning equation there. So it, it is a good point to, to kind of be on the lookout for is I, I don't see gas prices falling back to where they were last year anytime. Yeah. And soon. And you know what could happen is that, uh, you know, the president gets elected every four years. Uh, we're almost one year through that. Could be in what, 2024, we could get a different president in office and he goes back like, no, no, we're going to reopen those pipelines, you know, and that would benefit the consumer. And I, I'm not against electric. I, I, I will never have an electric car because it makes me, I said before, it makes me lightheaded and dizzy and everything else. But for the environment, I think it's fine. But let the, the businesses do it. Let consumers do it over time as opposed to trying to force things. Whenever you're trying to force things in the economy or anything, it, 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 there's always a, a drawback from it. Well, and the thing you kind of brought up is I've seen car companies say, we're going to be all electric by 2030, 2035, like you said. Well, what are we supposed to do with all the cars on the road? We're not just going right. to take millions of cars and smash them down and be like, all right, we're good. You know, it's going to be a, a decades-long process to clear them out. And, I mean, the other thing, too, and I, I'm not an environmental expert. I, I will preface that this point with that, is I've heard people say, well, what about all the batteries on the electric yeah. cars? And I don't know about the disposal process, things like that, but I have heard people bring that up is how much better is it really for the environment? I don't know. And also, too, what about the drain on the power grid? 
uh, to produce that electricity. Which uses fossil fuels to, to, <laughs> to produce to electricity. Yeah, so, coal, uh, even, which yeah. people say is coal can be very dirty, I guess, um, for producing the you know emissions. And I know that that, gosh, a few years ago, at one point, it was like 60% of the electric grid was you know consumed by you know fossil fuels. And uh, coal in particular was a, a heavy part of that. And I, I actually, I even think it was as high as 75, 80%. I yeah. mean, there, there's a lot, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. We did a post on this a while ago, but a lot of the electric grid is produced from fossil fuels. And yeah. so you're kind of just moving things around. Basically, you're not fixing a problem. Right, right. And, and again, you put that strain on that grid, and then what happens is that you have what they call brownouts and powerouts where all of a sudden you have no power to run your whole house. And um, you can't get in your car. Can't get in your car. <laughs> unless you have solar. But if you're back east, maybe that's not so easy because they don't have as many sunny days yeah. as we have here in San Diego and so forth. So it, it is a dilemma. And I do believe that a lot of these car companies, oh, by 2035, will be all electric. That can change. Uh, I, I do wish that they would think about that first rather than pushing for electric cars is fixing the electric grid. Yeah. I, I think that they're kind of trying to get credit for something rather than trying to effectively solve the solution and well, or and, solve the problem, excuse me. And I just thought of the solution. And, and the government would never think of this because they don't think business-wise. What if we made the electric grids so strong that the price of energy came down so low that like, wow, if I get an electric car, it's going to be so much better because my whole electricity bill is down because you made so, such an abundance of electricity that it was almost cheap to run your house and your cars and everything. Well, that would make sense because it would save the consumer money as opposed to costing more money. And, and I've been trying to work on my electric bill now. I don't know if you do this, but I look at the peak. I don't have an electric bill. Oh, that's right, because you, you have a soul in your house. Yeah. You have no you – know, <laughs> but for me and like other people I had electric bill there's different peaks and so what actually happens is that you you use more during the off peak so and again everybody can't go to solar because it'd be expensive for some people but yeah. if you look at how to make energy cheaper that's how you get people to do what you want is making that product that you're giving cheaper than having rising costs yeah. so like I said I, I think you got to start with the electric grid and yeah. you're just kind of putting out there we need electric cars. Yeah. Well, okay, well, let's fix the electric grid first. But again, we're not a political talk no, show. Don't political. have any political no. power. So it's, Yeah, no political power at all. But you, you really threw my story out of line when you said you don't have an electric car. I know. I know. <laughs> really destroyed my <laughs> Sorry. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. I, I guess everybody has all their investment questions answered today because it's a very slow day and it's not a holiday. Um, just everybody's, yeah. everybody, yeah, it's like everybody's just like, okay, I'm fine. But well, I know um, we do have a question from Robert on Facebook, and I also too oh, wanted to briefly yeah. talk about my my charity event that's coming oh, up yes, in a few yes, weeks. Let's do that. Um, you know, again, I, I run the Fighters Fight Foundation, which is a breast cancer charity where we provide experiences to to women that are battling stage three, stage four cancer. So, like we did Christmas experiences a few years or not a few years ago, several months ago for a few families that include like presents and dinner and Christmas trees. Um, you know, because it is such a, a tough disease that, that you got to battle, and a lot of these women are, are single mothers. Right. So, I mean, just kind of being able to give them that reprieve is very rewarding. But what we're doing to kind of help fund those experiences we're putting on a golf tournament uh august 14th so that's in a few saturdays from now i think it's actually three weeks from today 
And it's going to be at the Ranch Brano Inn. It's a beautiful golf course if you haven't been into the RBN. I mean, it just amazing scenery, uh, amazing setup there. And uh, what it is, it's $125 per person. Foursomes are recommended. It's a shotgun start. And the, the price of the ticket does include a, a Fighters Fight t-shirt, uh, beer, wine, and seltzers. And also it includes uh, lunch from Jersey Mike's. So uh, kind of a nice Very little cool. bundle there. And I think it should be a, a really fun time. The winning team does get a, a foursome back to the RBN. So uh, looking forward to that. And if you want to register for that um, event, again, on August 14th, just go to our, my website. It's fightersfightfoundation.com. Again, that's fightersfightfoundation.com. Check it out. Let me know what you think of it. And if you have any questions, I do list uh, my email and, and phone number on there as well. And we, we will be there. And I just realized, too, what time does it start? One <clears> thirty. <throat> uh, Oh, one thirty. Yeah, because <clears throat> I thought it was going to be in the morning, no. and therefore we'd miss the show. No, I I, I planned I planned around that. So the registration starts at twelve thirty. The event starts at one thirty. Maybe we should do a live broadcast from there that day. Get people there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know. Might be too early. Like we're done at ten. That starts at twelve. That is a long day. <laughs> that, that is a long day. Okay, yeah. But we will be doing the show that day. We will be doing yeah, the show that yeah, day. And yeah. and if you do have a business as well, there is uh, sponsorship opportunities. You can sponsor a hole, and you know what we'll do there is you do get your logo on the um, the hole, and you get uh, a logo on the GPS when they they pull up on the golf court cart. And then also, too, we do kind of do a, a, a sponsorship spotlight. So, if, yeah, you're interested in sponsoring or interested in playing in the golf tournament, again, fightersfightfoundation.com. Yep, and a very good cause. And, again, not it's not going to the research because that's kind of taken care of. But for these people that just uh, – such a tough time. And the stories you've told before are just uh, in, incredible. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three. Let's go up to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Wow, that was quick. I just called in. I know. Well, we've been waiting for you. Hey, Brent. Uh, before we go on, I, I I do have to make one comment about your show. Sure. Uh, the balance sometimes between you guys is the microphones between you and uh, Chase is out. I continually find when I'm listening to your podcast that I've got to crank the volume up for you talking and down for Chase talking back and forth. Yeah, I'm just something to take a look at. You, you know what that is, is that, and I will tell you, we were in a different studio before and I had to lean in for the microphone and my back started hurting yeah. and so forth. So a lot of times I would lean back. <laughs> so I know I was gonna say. We're in a different studio today. So I now have the boom mic that's right in front of me and I don't have to lean in. So that's the reason why in the podcast. So that should be corrected because of fact it was that's just a exactly. uh, Yep. But let us know if it's not. Okay. Yeah, do let us know if it's not. Well, let's go with Main Street Capital, guys. It's my weekly request. One of my weekly requests. Okay. And do you hold that or look at buying it? I do hold it. I do hold it. And I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking of buying for more. And uh, it's been good to me. And uh, I, I do it for the dividend. Alrighty. Well, let's take a look at the Main Street Capital Corporation symbol M A I N. Uh, a good start here. I mean, P ratio ten point seven. However, the industry is kind of a crazy one. One point seven. That's that seems kind of ludicrous. There. We do see price of sales twelve point four versus point three. That seems high. I mean, wait a minute. Price of sales higher than the earnings. Okay. Uh, we do also see price of tangible book value one point eight versus point seven. Uh, no price of cash flow. We do see, and I see why you want the dividend, 5.9%. They only use 63.5%. 
of the earnings to pay that out. We do see year-over-year -year sales were down 3.7%, but the industry is down 159 And the earnings per share over the last 12 months, year-over-year, -year, while Main Street was up 407%, industry up 114 Look at the balance sheet. No current ratio versus four for the industry. We do see debt to equity is 84.5 versus 8,610. I have a feeling it's a finance company or something. I think, Chase, you might be looking at it to find out what. What's that? It is, it is a finance company. It is a finance company. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's why I'm getting some strange numbers here. Uh, return on equity yeah. looks good. Uh, 18 versus 42. Net profit margin, 112 versus 17.2. And then receivable turnover is 5.6 versus 1.4. Chase, what you got over there? Yeah, so current price for Main Street Capital Corporation, $41.53. 52-week high, well, that's $43.56. And the 52-week low, $26.68. Now, unfortunately, I know the uh, the dividend is nice on it, but I look at the estimated earnings per share for 2022. It's $2.43, which would give us a target sell price of $40.34. So, uh, I know you said you've held it for a while. It uh, looked like it was a buy probably middle of last year, but now now the stock price has done well. You've collected a nice dividend on it. It is above the target sell price, so it's no longer got that, that good value to it. Yeah, that, I was kind of wondering. That's why I would call. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And, and again, so hard because when you see a good dividend, many times people, well, I want to stay because of the dividend. And and I forgot the dividend was 4%. 4%. Um, stock drops 12%, takes you three years to make that up. So it's, it's tough when you see a company that's just not there. You, you got to sometimes sell it, move on, and, and find another company that maybe pays a, a dividend close to that. So, all righty. I was fortunate, stupid, or smart, and I bought it when it was down. <laughs> Sounds good. And, yeah. and you're up now, so yeah, I, th I think we don't need to sell you. tell you, well, maybe time to sell. Nope, I'm going to put my money someplace else. There you go. All right. All right, Jim. Well, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Yeah, you guys have as much fun as you can doing that. It's always a joy. We we, we do. I've been doing it for over 20 years, and it's just like, wow. I mean, it's, it's still a lot of fun in the morning being here, talking with people, and, right. and uh, talking about money. Have a good one, Jim. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to Carpentaria uh, and speak with Mike. Mike, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? I uh, got a quick question for you guys. So up until last year, I managed my my own like I guess portfolio. I had a Roth IRA, or I have a Roth IRA, a SEP IRA, and a personal account. Um, last year, I handed everything over to a certified financial planner that somebody had suggested. And um, I, I noticed uh, when I was kind of looking at my statement, because it's been about a year that he's had my, my uh, accounts, that the stocks that I gave to him that were in my Roth, my SEP, and my personal account have done quite better than the stocks and funds that he added to my account. Um, they've actually done quite a bit better. And I'm just wondering, I mean, is, this, is, is one year too short of a period to pull the plug on this guy? especially if the stocks that I've already that carried over from, you know, when I was managing my funds to having him manage them have done, have outperformed the stuff that he added by quite a, a bit. I, I mean, one year is a, a short time frame, but however, you can, you can determine more by the philosophy. I mean, 
you've got to understand why did yours goes up? You know, and if you had Apple and Microsoft, yes, of course, they're going to go up. If his aren't going up, find out why. And, and again, I, I would think, I think over the past year, I, I, I can't tell if we've done better than, than those companies or not as good as those companies, but understand why. And that's very important because I think you, Don, if you've been a long time listener to our show or not, but you know our philosophy or value investors. That's what we're doing. What does this new gentleman do? I assume it's a guy. What does he do? What is his philosophy? And I think he, you say he is buying stocks. Um, and and I, well, he said funds too. So I, is there funds like a, too? Is there a, a breakdown there? That that's the big thing there. Is there funds, ETFs, bonds, stocks? What's he he got you in? He's he's kind of got me in, in a lot of everything. It seems like mm. um, it's not. It's it, I know. And again, that's why I handed it off to him because. When I was managing my own funds, it was just stressing me out. Every day, the, you know, the market would go up. I'd be happy. Every day the market went down, I'd be freaking out. So my wife finally said, look, you got to have somebody handle this for you because it's going to give you a heart attack. And so, um, you know, and the one thing that, that when we first met with him, I had asked him, hey, what's my retirement number? Like, what do I need to have in my portfolio number-wise to retire? And he wouldn't give me an answer. He's like, I'm not going to give you that answer because if I give you an answer, you're going to work yourself to the bone and kill yourself getting to that number. <laughs> and I was just kind of weird that he wouldn't give me a number. And now, you know, and I just saw that, that, that the stock that I had already provided had, had actually, you know, had done much better than what he had uh, got me into. So I just, you know, I didn't know if a year was too short of a period to, to, you know, pull the plug and look elsewhere. And one thing I would say to you, too, is kind of what Brent alluded to is what is the philosophy? It, just based off what you're saying, it sounds like he's doing what we call just asset allocation, where he puts just money into a bunch of different things and it's diversified and you're not going to make a whole lot of money off it. And we tell people, I mean, as Brent talked about with Microsoft and Apple, is I we've underperformed some stocks. I mean, some people might have come to us last year and we might have sold some things that are, that are higher than our stock picks as well but we know that there's some growth stocks that outperform value over the last year so we're, we're i'm going to say okay with that and we can tell our clients that but if he's just doing asset allocation if he has you in bonds let's say well ask him why the heck am i in bonds interest rates are, are supposed to go up or you're not getting very good interest rates interest rates go up bond prices go down so i i think it, it comes down to philosophy one year's not I think a, a fair, fair judge as long as right. you understand the philosophy. And, and Mike, does he charge you a management fee or is he selling products? It's a one percent of the of my total uh, value of the portfolio. It's one percent. Okay. All right. And, 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 I mean, and, so it's costing me what uh, eight grand a year in fees, and I just uh, I'm just uh, you know I, I basically because I'm not a professional, so I feel like I you know I, I hand I handed over everything to a professional. And it feels like me as an amateur seem to I seem to have done much better, you know, in the last five, six years than than kind of what he's brought to the table in the last year. And, and Mike, and if you want know, to, I mean, one thing you can do is, well, I mean, if you want come in our office, we'll, we'll take a look at it. We've done this for other people. We kind of look at things more detail. We can't give you a great analysis here on the, the radio show trying to help you out a little bit. But if you want to yeah. give us a call to the office, I mean, uh, bring it in. We'll, would we'll you suggest? Down. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's what would you suggest that I because I live up by Santa Barbara, so mm. um, I was kind of in, uh, thinking maybe I, I, I pay somebody uh, like another financial person a fee to basically audit my my account, my portfolio to see, you know, just so I know maybe it'll it'll give me a little bit more peace of mind if I had a third party kind of look into it and say, yeah, no, he's he's on on the right track or no, I got a lot of questions here. I, I mean, you can do that. Uh, I, I, I mean, wouldn't pay for that. I, I, I wouldn't. And that's what okay. I was saying. You can do that. But but again, somebody else, uh, 
may not be there. But we can also do it by Zoom if you want to as well. Because that's okay. the thing too is that we don't need to meet in person. We have clients, you know, across the country that we do by Zoom now. So that that might help okay. you out. Because and again, it's probably about forty five minutes an hour. You send us first what you have, we'll, we'll, and we'll start talking, asking questions in more detail. Because then we see what you have to make you wiser about. Okay, maybe this guy, and, and, and I don't know the guy at all. He could just be a salesperson uh, disguised as a financial planner. So those are things you want to kind of look at. Or he could just be, um, you could be extremely well. Your picks could do extremely well. <laughs> He's got by lucky maybe. And that he's been picking the right thing. So, yeah, give us a call at the office. We'll, we'll set it up if you want that. All right, Mike? I will. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, uh-huh. Bye-bye. You know, Chase said it's such a difficult thing for people is trying to find the right person because uh, I think he said he was referred by a friend or yeah. something. And, uh, you know, we are fortunate because people get to hear our philosophy on radio. They see us on TV. We do the newsletters. A lot of times you get a referral from a friend. And, and, and it's just so hard because, well, they did well, they thought, but maybe they don't really look at their stuff that much. And they think, well, yeah, it's a good guy. You know? and, and that's really where we ask our clients. We, when we talk to people, but, like we were talking to Mike, it's necessarily it's not always about performance because – I'm going to say every investor, every financial advisor, they're going to have periods of bad performance. Oh, yeah. That's going to happen. It's just the reality of it. And if you're trying to make a decision based off, well, over the last 10 years, it's averaged 10%, let's say. That's a really good thing. But if in year one, you're down 5%. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. This guy sucks. This lady sucks. You know, it's awful. I need to change. It comes to the philosophy, and, and that's why we stress so much more about how we manage money, why we manage money the way we do. We show you how we do the research, why we do that research, because understanding that will get you through the downturns. It'll make you feel more yeah. comfortable with it. Nobody likes the downturns, right. and it makes you question it. But if you know the philosophy, if the philosophy makes sense, then then you're with the right person. But if you don't take the time to understand the philosophy, oh, this guy's super nice, I want to be with him because he's really nice – that's not a great reason to pick an advisor. Yeah. It's all about the comfortability around how your money is being managed. Yeah. And we tell people, clients come over to us at a seven-year period, you're going to have a couple of losing years. I mean, we talk very reality about what's really going to happen, not try to sell you something. And and unfortunately, there's a lot of great salespeople out there, and they could be nice guys, but they're just selling. I, I know a few in the industry myself. I won't mention the names, obviously, but they're great at selling, but they're not great at managing money. So yeah. it's, 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 and I, and I'd rather be great at managing money than being great on sales. Yeah, and it's kind of like what you talked about earlier is he, he said he went to a financial planner yeah. is Harrison spends all his time doing financial planning. If maybe the, your advisor is more of a financial planner that leaves him a lot less time to do the investing portion. And they're just going to slam you in, you know, asset allocation, probably do a nice split between international stocks and bonds and domestic stocks. And you're just going to get a nice asset allocation portfolio and, and yeah. they'll do the financial planning on the side as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, it was Mike. So I, I hope that helps out and hope to hear from him. We'll see what we can do to help him out. Alrighty. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Escondido and speak with Dave. Dave, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, yes. I just want to tell you where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm 75. I'd be 76. And we have a few extra dollars to invest rather than having to sit in the bank. Okay. So it's wondering, I'm a very conservative, we're very conservative. And I just want to know what would be a step up of keeping it in the bank. 
we're looking at really the income. Mm-hmm. I've had it before, and it, it did well for us. That was many years back, but I'm just wondering, what is your opinion on that? Okay, well, let's take a look at the Realty Income Corporation. And one thing I, I will say, Dave, too, I don't know how much a few dollars are in the bank, but one thing you may want to look at as more of a diversified portfolio, which would include something like a Realty Income. But we'll, we'll take a look at this for you to see what it looks like. Coming again is Realty Income Corporation. Symbol is O, as in Oreo. I guess I'm thinking about cookies. Uh, we do see a P.E. ratio very high, 72.8 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales, 16.3 versus 3.3. Price to book value, 2.8 versus 1.8. And price of cash flow, well, that checks in at 26 versus 17. Now, you do get that 4% dividend, very attractive, but it shows they, they use 287% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up 8.3% year over year. Industry was down 19.8. But for realty income, their earnings per share fell by 33% year over year, but the whole industry was down 239%. Obviously, during the pandemic, there. Look at the balance sheet. They got a good balance sheet, uh, no current ratio. That's not unusual for a real estate investment trust. But we do see that the debt to equity is 74 versus 256. I do like seeing that because that tells you this REIT is not too highly leveraged, which, in my opinion, is good. Return to equity is 3.1 versus a negative 3.2. Net profit margin, 20.6 versus a negative 6.4. That is positive. And then we see receivable turnover is 6.8. This is a 4.7. Chase, what do you got going forward? Yeah, so looking at the current price here for Realty Income, and one thing that's also interesting about the company is it's a San Diego company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they're over in Del Mar is where they're they're located. But looking at the the numbers here for the business, it trades at $70.48, 52-week high, $71.84, and 52-week low, well, that's $56.72. Now, I got to December 2022. Very important. When we look at a real estate investment trust, we look at the FFO, which stands for Funds from Operations. Just because real estate, you have a lot more, I'm going to say, non-cash expenses associated with it. So, the FFO gives you kind of a little bit more insight into how the business is doing. So, I look at 2022. It's $3.75 for realty income. It would, unfortunately, give us a target sell price of $62.25. So, um, you know, this is a business at the right price that I think would make a lot of sense for you there, Dave. And I, I do think you're looking for a little bit more income. And I can tell you there's some real estate investment trusts out there that we really like that you get nice yields. You get, I think, a little bit more value. They have clean balance sheets. But this one just appears to be a little bit expensive at this time. And, and, and Dave, also, too, I've, I've been doing this now for 40 years. And this is one thing that, that usually happens is people like yourself, you got extra money in the bank and the bank's paying you. 0.3%, like, gosh, I got to put it someplace else. And we look for things to put it in high yield bonds, REITs, whatever. And sometimes you overpay for those. So this is where I kind of talk about having that diversified portfolio because I know you're looking for yield, searching for yield, but you got to be careful because you don't want to pay too much. Again, this REIT is what, $70 a share, pay 74, collect a 4% dividend. And then a year from now, it's at 66. You, you, you lost money. So, so that's where you look at. But um, at the right time, it'd be good. Uh, you know, again, I recommend if you want, call our office because I there's a lot of things we can say that I, off air that I can't say on air because it would take too much time. But I, I know what you're doing. You're trying to say, well, gee, I'm only getting paid X dollars in the bank. I want to invest the money someplace else, get a better return. But you want to be careful because I think you said you're 70 or 75. Uh, you want to be careful, and I, I, I get that. Already. Okay, so. Uh do we have your office number here then? or? Uh, well, let me give it to you. It's uh, You got a pencil and paper? Okay, go on. Okay, 
546-4306. Okay, uh, thank you for your time, and I appreciate it. God bless. Okay, Dave, thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I gave it up. Why are you, you always no, smiling? I'm just smiling because I, I feel bad because I, I know we're going to go to Robert on Facebook. That's what I was going to do. I, well, I, 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 but I said we go to Robert on Facebook three callers ago. Oh. <laughs> I, I kept trying to wave you down because I feel bad. I was like, I was yeah, on we'll a go, roll. We'll, we'll go to Robert on Facebook <laughs> after we talk about my charity event. And then you kept getting callers. And I'm like, no, oh. oh. But well, hopefully, we'll, we'll, hopefully Robert's still hopefully listening. Robert's there. Still so let's let's let's. What does Robert uh, from Facebook uh, question I'll tell you? Let's well, so first that. he asked if we're in a different studio. He said he was a little bit late to the show. So yeah, we, we did move across the hallway to to a different studio in the same uh, office building here. So I answer that. But his other question is all the recent volatility the past couple of weeks from the market being overpriced. That's it. What's the it question? Again? So with all the the recent volatility the past couple of weeks. Is it from the market being overpriced? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean because uh, well, yes and no, yes and yes and no. I, I, I mean when things get pricey, you're gonna have the volatility. I, yeah. I mean that's obviously, but it's not the only reason. I, I, again, like in putting together a portfolio, it's not one thing you do. There's many different reasons. I mean you have all this news coming out, you have other things coming out, um, and and this is why you invest in companies, not in the markets, because they'll drive crazy. I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that point. Sure. The big tech has done phenomenally, mm-hmm. and they're one of the most overpriced segments in the market. So I, I don't think this volatility lately has been from the market being overpriced. I, I think that that will be a catalyst as we go forward. But what we've seen is there's been the Delta variant was really the big yeah. scare on Monday. Right. And I, I think that's what really scared the market. If you actually noticed, a lot of the reopening stocks were the ones that got hit the hardest this week. And then kind of rebounded near the end of the week. So I, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of it. But again, I do think that the uh, the volatility in the future will be associated with the rising interest rates, which will then question why is the market trading at these high valuations. So I, I think that is a future catalyst, but I don't know if it was the, the most recent one. And, and also, too, we had the, the big decline in the 10-year Treasury, uh, which actually has helped the tech companies because we went from a 1.7 mm-hmm. down a 1.2. I think it's back up to about a 1.3. So, so that has kind of helped the tech companies, and and I do believe that the industries will go back up again. So that, that that's what I'm saying. There's so many different factors, and and yeah. I think one of those factors, yes, when things are pricey, that's going to call volatility. But it's not the only thing because you've got so many other things. And again, the Delta virus, you're you're right. And I think cases were what thirty thousand nationwide. Yeah, I, like I remember that. when thirty eight thousand. Thirty eight thousand. I remember that when that was what it was, and. And uh, just the city of San Diego, I think it was. So, um, but again, that that's the that's why we talk about too the the media. We are in the media, but sometimes you got to take the media with a grain of salt because their job is to report things that are, you know, kind of uh, get your emotions going. Yeah. Uh, our job here in the media is to report about the non-emotional things. We do the opposite to try to get you to invest and understand what's going on about the business. So we're. We're in the media, but we do different things in the media than the regular media does. And, mm-hmm. and, and it does cause volatility in, in the in the market. And I think one thing to watch out for is there, there's so much money in the economy, as we said, which, yeah. which is causing these kind of, I'm going to say, floors on the down downturns. So, you know, it'll go down 
2% of people, oh, buying opportunity, let's get back in, and it'll right. go back up. But the problem is, as we talked about earlier in the show, is that there can't be this endless supply of money. And while it might seem that way right yeah. now, that's just not the reality. And maybe we don't hit a correction of 10 yeah. to 15% over the next year. It's, it's a possibility. Yeah. But I think it's more likely to just trade sideways at that point where it could pull back 5% and the snap back because there's so much money out there. But at some point, as I said, you need more money to come in to keep it elevated. And I, I think at that point is when you, you'll see that it, it could pull back much further because things are expensive. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, you got to be patient with things. And, and that's why investing with the fundamentals makes it so much easier because you have something to hold on to and you see all this volatility. I mean, Monday, like, oh, okay, yeah, it's down. Oh, Tuesday, yeah, it's up. You, 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 I don't want to say you don't care, but it, it, it just takes away a lot of the craziness. Like, oh, my God. I, I, I forget the gentleman that called in from uh, Santa Barbara where it was like driving them crazy. Yeah. Um, it, when it was you, Mike. And, yeah. Mike. I, I thought it was Mike. Um, it just drives you crazy because up and down, up and down, and, and you, your emotions go, go out the window. So that's why investing properly you know, and I've been doing this for, uh, again, I've been in the finance world for 40 years, and it's just like uh, I've seen crazy things, but it's, it doesn't bother me. It's because the downturn that happened Monday, and I call it a downturn, it was a, a, a blip in the, yeah. <laughs> in the, the market. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it didn't change, you know, the food company we have in the portfolio. It's not like, oh, my gosh, this is a terrible thing. The stock price is down 2% today. We better sell and get out. <laughs> it's like, oh, the reason you look at it and it, it doesn't change your opinion is because, Oh, our, our business, yeah, who cares? The business doesn't care that its stock was down 2% that day. Nope, nope. And, and I've said, and people think, well, gosh, I'm going to say this, and I think I'm crazy, but I, I wouldn't care if we had a, 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 a downturn for two or three months. I mean, I know it's going to bother people, but what that would do is I think that would shake out some of these these people that think the market goes up every other day um, and get rid of them because they cause the volatility as well. And if you own the strong businesses, like, yeah, and again, it's not like, oh, you're happy that your companies are down over two or three months but you're okay with it because you understand that the business is still performing on and you're shaking out those those people that are gamblers uh, in the stock market. That, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. So, you think I answered it? so hard, uh, such a short question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we covered it, it so for Robert. Broad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I hope we covered that, Robert. If not, uh, message us back. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with William. William, you're on the Smart, smart Investor with Brent Chase. Oh, How can we help my, you? oh my gosh. Yeah, what? This is William. Hi. Hi, William. So, hi. Uh, my boyfriend told me about you guys. He loves your commercials. Um, yeah, we love you guys. Thank uh, you. Especially the young one. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so I'm the old so, one, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, we like you too. We love you too. Okay, thank you. But we really like the young one. Um, so he's he's been an investor, a stock investor for like I don't know, a long time, and you know he says that there's going to be a major correction coming very soon or within uh, this, you know, because of all the, you know, the fake fake Delta variant, all the fake coronavirus. This is all baloney. Yeah, the media, you know, you know, they they scare everybody, but. He has transitioned all of his funds into Bitcoin. He says oh. that will be the fit, the future. <laughs> and I just wonder, what do you do? You know about the correction coming and why everyone's transferring their money into Bitcoin? Well, I mean, you bring up some uh, interesting points about it that way because again, I, there will be a correction coming. We, we've talked about a correction coming. I don't think like it's going to be a major, major financial crash. Yeah, worst two thousand eight. 
No, yeah. we, we don't think that's yeah. Coming. We don't think that's going to happen. We're, we're probably well, he thinking, knows. He said he knows for sure. Okay, so what he should do if he is that confident, he should not be buying Bitcoin. He should take all his money and short the market. <laughs> no, but there will be no more money left in the market. He says it will go bankrupt. Everyone will be upside down. So if you short it, what happens is if you short right. the market, if it goes down, you go up. Yeah. So, but the, the point Brent's making is, yeah, if there's a downturn, it's like, all right, then short the market. Don't put it. It'll make you more rich than buying Bitcoin. But we we to answer the question in short, when we we don't see a major right. major downturn like worse than the Great Depression, worse well, than the Great did Recession. Did you foresee the for, foresee the 2008? No, we don't. Well, uh, actually, in some degree, no yes. No one saw that coming. What? No one did until after the fact. No, and actually. Of course, everyone says, oh, we saw it coming. <laughs> oh, we saw it coming. Actually, in some degree, I did because I was on the news saying that real estate is too expensive, that it's going to come down. I didn't see the magnitude of the crash. Did you short the real estate? Did you uh, sell all your homes? No, I did not, but I did actually short the market that time frame, not the whole amount. But the thing is, there's different things that you see, and there's... Uh, and I'm not sure what, what your, your your friend is saying about why he thinks it'll be this big crash because we don't see that coming. But I have been in the business again for over 40 years. There's been many, many people have said that before. A well-known guy, uh, Harvey Dent, I think his name was. Yeah. He's been shorting the market for the 40 years since I've been around. He's never been right, right, sometimes. So you, you got to be careful when you, you make these big predictions. Maybe he should be buying Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I, and again, Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin also, too, if you realize Bitcoin has not done well lately because yeah. the fact it actually went down until Elon Musk came out and he said, oh, now I'm buying it again or I'm happy with it again. Yeah. And then it went up. But well, prior to that, it was below 30000 up like $2,000 in the last day. Yeah. And, yep. and, and But That's if you look at the last— any stock. If you look better at— Better than Apple, better than Microsoft. Right. If you look at the last—we'll uh, call better it— than Better than Tesla, for goodness sake. <laughs> well, Tesla's crazy. you got to listen to the show more with him because we hate Tesla. Right. We do not like that stock. But the, the thing is, it, it, it's it's down about 50%, close to 50% from its high. And I'm going to get a Cybertruck. I'll get a Cybertruck. You, you can buy the, the Cybertruck. Just don't buy the stock. But the thing with Bitcoin, you just got to be That's careful with it because you, you got to understand, well, what is the utility? With my Bitcoin money, he takes Bitcoin. Well, I don't know. He might be taking Bitcoin still for the cars. Well, he, he said he might start doing that, but right. we'll have to see. But the point is, is Bitcoin... They need uh, the turbines to make coins, that's why. Okay, and, and William, I've, I've got to ask you, when does your friend say that um, uh, this he crash is going to happen? tell me. <laughs> oh, can't tell you. Well, that's not good. He's got to have some date and time or some, at least like month or year or something. He no, has, they'll know. No? They call yeah. the young kid that's really cute on the commercials. <laughs> Call him. He'll know when the crash is coming, and I'm calling you at to ask. And then, and I'll tell you right now, we do not know when the crash is going to happen. We don't foresee. There's too much money in the economy to have a major, major crash like you're discussing at this point. And and, and we don't like Bitcoin. We just don't see the the value in it. And and we've talked a lot about Bitcoin, but it, it it's just. It's a, it's a gamble at this point, and and I don't foresee it being necessarily the future. It could be, but it's not. I'm going to say a guarantee. So I I'd be very cautious with it. I wouldn't get out of the market. I think there's a lot of great buys out there. Um, that that's what we see at this time. Yeah, and and what is it is it concerning that we have like Joe Biden and uh, Nancy Pelosi? They're senile running. The <laughs> no, it's not. And and, and I know there's a lot of checks. Right. 
<laughs> I, and, and I will say they're not they're they're not my favorite uh, politicians, but they're not going to destroy the country. And I know that the emotions get going wild on that. There's people like, oh my gosh, they're terrible. They're not, in my opinion, the great the greatest politicians, but they're not going to destroy our country. They're doing things a little bit different, maybe a lot different. Who's going to destroy it then? Elon? No, no, no. no, no. no. And, and and what I would say, suggest, William, that, 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 this, this is going to destroy the country. <laughs> this, this is July. What I recommend you do it. Give us a call back in December, January. Let's take a look again. Take the pulse of the economy and the Bitcoin. See where we stand, and we'll, we'll do this every six months. And if your friend can nail down when he thinks it's going to crash, what that'd if, be very what helpful if for don't us. Don't make it that long. Then we got Kamala. <laughs> oh, no, she no. no, can destroy the country. Right. Well, William, we're not a political talk show, so we can't go too in depth to that. But uh, uh, we appreciate your phone call. Giving and, out and, money, giving out yeah. money, giving out money. What do you think that does to the inflation? Well, we. <laughs> And we, we've talked about that before. So, William, stay tuned to us. Or give us a call back in six months. We'll, we'll, we'll see where we stand at that point. All right, David? When's your next new commercial coming out? We love uh, your commercial. Uh, the new new commercial we, we just filmed it this past week. It's coming out uh, probably mid-September. Mid-September. <laughs> mid-September. Look at mid-September. <laughs> well, thank William, you for the call. Thank you for calling, William. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I, I got to get whatever kind of coffee William's drinking in the morning. I think I want some of that. He's really excited. I love excited the energy. To go. <laughs> yeah, I love the energy. Uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Kelly. Kelly, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Is Kelly there? Yeah, I'm here. Can there you hear go. me? Yes, Kelly, you're on the Smart Investing okay. Show. How can we help you? Okay. First of all, I'm two cars out from paying at the drive-thru. Oh, I'm working, so. okay. okay. <laughs> I have a credit card in my hand. They shouldn't need to talk to me, but in case it gets awkward. Okay. So this Thanks. Thanks for the heads up. Any more different, this couldn't be any more different than your last call. I live in San Diego. Okay. 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 <laughs> we lived overseas. We bought in San Diego in 2015. So luckily, we got a little bump. My daughter just got married and we don't care that we're at the top of the market. She's pregnant and they needed a house. So you buy, even though that's probably going to tank, but she's going to hold it for 30 years, hopefully. So we just <laughs> took money. Fortunately, we had an NOL I'm trying to make this. So long story short is we have a little bit of money that never should have been taken out of retirement funds. That was <laughs> has already cleared taxes. <laughs> so what do I do with it? Uh, it's tough to answer because we can't ask how much on air you actually have. I mean, is it two thousand? Well, let me. It's small enough not to be important. It's less than a hundred. Okay. Okay. Probably total. Um, but, but basically, what happened was I didn't know how much they were going to need. I had an NOL from a an estate issue, um, so I was like, "We're just going to take the entire NOL this year." So I maxed what I could take out of my husband's retirement funds with no penalty because he's a fireman. Mm -hmm. um, and no income taxes because of my mom's NOL. So I maxed what we could get out of there. Turns out they only needed about half of it. So now I've got just under that number that we can't discuss, six figures, <laughs> um, to deal with, which is came out tax-free, hallelujah, but it's not going to be earning tax-free like it was when it was in the fund. Right. You know, and now... And I haven't, I was a broker in the Black Monday crash, <laughs> but I've been a homeschool mom for 25 years. So I don't even know how you buy mutual funds online. I was actually a Putnam person back then. 
Um, so I, I don't know, you know, I, if you talk no loads, I know what you're talking about. If you right. talk anything in the new millennia, I'm clueless. I, I remember those Putnam funds and so forth years ago uh, when I was in the early in the industry. I remember those. But uh, I mean, I, yeah, because you're a lot younger than me, obviously. Well, probably not. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. I think <laughs> so. But uh, what 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 you want to look at is, is again we talk about the diversified portfolio because we're not big on mutual funds. I mean, mutual funds have fees. They have net redemptions. We we go through all this in the, in the workshop that we just had. Uh, uh, on Thursday, um, but what you can do is again build that diversified portfolio. So, uh, and again, you'd be the third caller today. It's never happened, but the third caller today, I'm going to say, you know, give us a call at the office because we can discuss a little bit more off air and more detail okay. to try to help you okay, out. Okay, so you get to give your commercial because honestly, you're just on my Padres station, oh. and I only pick you guys up when I'm working on a Saturday morning. So I'm like, yeah, good. And going through but, the drive-through. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like busy here. I'm between work. So, um, but yeah, so can you give the whole, this is us and this is our phone number? And oh, yeah, actually yeah. we do take, so you do take tiny little people with only this much money? Well, we'll, we'll talk about what it is. Yeah. And, yeah we'll, we'll see if yeah. it's a good fit. Yeah. yeah. And then what we'll do if we, if okay. we can at least help you one way or the other. That's, that's what we'll try to do for you. Right. Because I know it is feasible these days to actually just buy stuff. I mean, the kids are telling me, mom, you can buy stuff yourself. And I'm like. Where's the front end? Where I mean, aren't you going to get killed in fees? Because in the old days, you would never do that, right? Mutual funds were the way to go. Right. Yeah. But now I'm hearing that that's just a way. Right. And and, and again, you okay, can so buy stocks yourself, but it, it's very dangerous, especially when you don't know what you're doing. And that we've seen so many people that right. have done it. They've lost all their money. Like, oh, my gosh, why did I do that? Yeah. So how do we get so it so that you can— you want someone who does it for a living like you to yes. say, because I'm like, dang, applied. Too bad I missed that boat. <laughs> and so how do we get you our information so you can call us because i guess you're driving now or what right. uh, I, no i actually am at the drive through window still waiting okay. for my burrito and i have a pen and a piece of paper okay so our phone number is eight am i good or what you are very good <laughs> i'm hoping you share that burrito but our phone number is 858 546 4306. Okay, and I'm sorry to sound so stupid, but what is actually the name of the company? It's Wilsey Asset Management. And I'm also going to have you repeat Can the you phone number back just to make sure yeah. we got it right. 858-546-4306. You got it. Okay. And also, too, Kelly, you can go, to our, you can go to our website. How do you spell Wilsey? W-I-L-S-E-Y. And I was going to say, oh, I got that right. Oh, awesome. <laughs> you can also go to our website, which is smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. And, and just kind of peek around there a little bit as well, since you're not super familiar with our company. Yeah. Is it just me, or do you feel like you need that little caveat that says, she was really not an actress? She was a real person. She just that <laughs> You've been a fantastic caller. We enjoyed it. The only thing I don't enjoy is I know that right now you're probably eating a burrito, and I'm starving right now. i got no, 10 minutes left. No, I am. Okay, I'll make it a little funnier. I'm a driving instructor. That was a stop sign, and now this is a left turn red light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm between students. I had an eight thirty and a ten. Okay. So smartinvesting two thousand dot com. Yes. Right. Yeah. Don't do this in real life, kids. Please pull over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're on the phone at the same time. I just realized. <laughs> it, Bluetooth 
I am not touching you guys at all. It's all on the hands-free. Okay. I'm all good. We're good then. All right. <laughs> well, Kelly, look forward to talking to you. Have a great day. Thanks so much. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, and I was gonna say enjoy that burrito too. Gosh, I'm just I, I'm 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 all sudden now. Well, okay. let's get to the callers. We're gonna run out of time. Okay, we can't right. talk about okay. burritos. Wait, right. who's waiting here? <laughs> I think it was that. And it's making me think of it. Yes, yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to I think Brian Lahoya was up next. Uh, Brian, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Out? Hey guys, how are you? I'm uh, a big fan, big fan of your show. Well, thank you. How can we help you? Out? So, um, I am interested in uh, getting your guys' opinion on Gilead, the pharmaceutical. Okay, do you hold that or looking to buy it? I hold it, and I am I'm looking to get rid of it. It's, um, I'm a, it's a pharmaceutical, and I'm trying to get out of the pharmaceuticals. Okay, well, let's take a look at Gilead Sciences, symbol G-I-L-D. Uh, I see one thing here that you're probably concerned about, the high P-E ratio, 335 versus not material for the industry. Uh, price of sales looks good, though, 3.4 versus 11.4. Price to book value, not material versus 13.2. And price of cash flow is expensive at 43, but the industry is at 411. Now, you do get a 4.1% dividend, very attractive, but the company uses 1,163% of their earnings to pay that dividend out. So that dividend could be in jeopardy. We do see sales are up 12.5% year over year, about half the industry growth at 24.1%. Earnings per share fell by, wow, 94%. Industry down 3.8. Look at the balance sheet. Current ratio 1.4 versus 3.6, but that's okay at 1.4. What is concerning and not okay is debt to equity is 159%, well above the industry at 40. We do see return on equity is a 1.5 versus negative 18.3. Net profit margin is positive at 1.1, but the industry is a negative 26.5. We do see receivable turnover 6.5 above the industry at 4.9 and inventory turnover 3.6 versus 2. Chase, I'm very curious on this company because I'm surprised at these numbers as a pharmaceutical. I know they had something to do with COVID that they're so negative. What, what do you got for the earnings here? Yeah, the number looks strange, and I'll kind of touch base on that after I give the, the current price here at $69.02, 52-week highs $75.65, and 52-week lows $56.56. And and one thing I point out is, is Reuters gives us a lot of times the PE on the, the GAAP basis, which stands for Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. In, in 2020, Gilead made $0.10 cents on a gap basis, but on a non-gap basis, they made $7.09. So I'm guessing we know they've had a lot of acquisitions as a pharmaceutical yep. company. I'm guessing they had to write something down. I, I mean, that, that's that's uh, really a prior acquisition. That's, that's my best guess. Didn't work out. Goodwill right off because it wasn't worth what they paid for it. Yeah, I mean, that that's normally would happen in a situation like this. But if I go forward to December 2022, I see the estimated earnings per share is $6.67. It would give us a target sell price $110.72. But one problem that we've seen with Gilead is they were too successful. And what I mean by that is they created the hep C drug that, yep. that really set the market standard. It, it cured it and brought other entrants into the field. They've kind of been witnessing... Uh, very lackluster earnings growth and even earnings declines for the last several years now. And I, I don't know what's going to get them over that hump to return to a pharmaceutical company that, that's growing. And uh, that's my big concern with it. The valuations look good on it, but I, I'm not too sure on the story 
for what the future holds for Gilead. And I remember they used to have a ton of cash on their balance sheet, and that is apparently is gone. Well, I know they bought back a lot of stock. Yeah, I guess they bought back a lot of stock because I thought they had at one point twenty or thirty billion dollars in cash. I'm looking now; it's like five billion. Uh, I don't know where that went, but, uh, but they bought back a lot of stock, maybe at a higher price. So it was definitely um, at a higher price. They yeah, were around like yeah. one twenty several years yeah. ago. And, and so with that, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I, th- this is not the Gilead. I will say of four or five years ago. Um, I, I, I don't feel comfortable with their balance sheet, and it's, it's just something that, um, you know, they do have the one drug that kind of helps out COVID, but I, I just don't think it's enough here. So I'd, I'd have to say, uh, yeah. let's find another one together. All righty? Yeah. Great. Really appreciate your, your, your thoughts, guys. I love your show. Well, thanks, Brian. We appreciate you being there. Thanks for calling. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. God, where did the time go today? Yeah. I know. That's why I was like, you're talking about burritos. I've got to take one more I'm call. I'm sorry. Here. I was hungry. I should <laughs> have taken one more call. I apologize to the listeners. I should have taken one more call instead of worried about my stomach because I was so hungry. And I'm just visualizing this nice big burrito from Rubio's. <laughs> all right. I got to get off the food thing. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we don't have enough time. I just got the two-minute warning there. So uh, Wayne in San Diego uh, gives a call back next week. And I feel bad, too. Mark and Ranch Bernardo, he, he, beginning tips for investing stocks. I would have loved to help him out as well. So uh, Mark and Ranch Bernardo, actually our hometown almost, uh, gives a call back uh, next week. We'll get it. And even Joe and Oceanside hung up on us. Joe, what's up with Joe hanging up on us? I know. Joe never hangs up on us. I know. Joe hung up on <laughs> I us. I think he knew that the, the show was coming to an end there. Yeah, he kind of knew the time frame. So uh, great show today. A lot of great callers. A lot of different topics that we talked about today uh we don't have any workshops coming up soon i think the next one is what august uh 24th 24th uh, maybe yeah because i know my birthday is sunday august 21st so it'd have to be that thursday which would probably be the 20- august august 26th maybe 26 maybe correct good. yeah so and we love doing the workshops a great workshop this past uh, thursday a lot of great people there that we talked to and and uh, a lot of great information and one other thing too we, we just recently launched uh, on youtube uh for yep. those people that like like the show, kind of want a little bit more dive, deep dive into a stock. We actually are picking a stock each each week on YouTube and doing a fundamental analysis, kind of a, a mini episode on on that particular stock. If you go to YouTube, type in Smart Investing with Brent and Chase. We'll see. You can subscribe to our channel there and, and find uh, some other good stock picks um, for some future weeks there. And you can even go back. The nice thing about videos, you can go back and look at our, our previous stocks That's that right. we've analyzed. And it's there forever, I guess, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Actually, so are our shows. Our shows are on podcasts. So I guess there forever as well. Um, so we got a lot of different things that we do to try to help uh, help out investors. Yeah. Now our newsletter, do that. So if you like the show, again, visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. You can sign up for our podcast, our newsletter, newsletter. our new yeah. YouTube channel, uh, also social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Yep. On uh, all the good pl- all, all, all the good parts to try to help you out, make a you a smarter investor. As Adele says, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. And there is the closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll be back next week. I did all that. And may 
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.